Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! What is up, folks? Danny Boy Reginald here for the start of game six. This is the first inning of the sixth game of the Sports and Sandy podcast on the Sports and Sandy Network. How's it going, everybody? It's so good to be back for another uh, great game. And I'm very, very pleased to be here uh, with. My cast of characters, one of our main co-hosts is here. Introduce yourselves, buddy. What's going on, everyone? Bill Murphy here. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Yes, and especially hope you have a good holiday. And like I said, I mentioned it during the last podcast. It's always good to spend time with people. So make sure you keep doing that during the holidays. And, you know, the Lord is with you every step of the way. And I'll stop being religious at that point. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, so yes, it's just me and Bill today. Uh, we felt alone and you know needed another voice here. So we're gonna bring in the man that's filling in for old ops guy, and that is my man, the guy that has been the heart and soul of this network ever since he joined, the pun master, Mr. Mike Rifkin. Rifkin, get in. What's up, buddy? How are you? How was Thanksgiving? Oh, it was great. A lot of stuffing, a lot of turkey, meats in general, I know. and a lot of uh, pumpkin pie. I think I ate way too much pumpkin pie. Is there ever oh, a thing as too much pumpkin pie? Well, no, right? I mean, I, yeah, at, after, after a certain point, you kind of get tired of it. You know what I'm saying? So, Rifkin, how was that chili you were telling about us on the um? Oh, the chi- chili special? was phenomenal. Oh. Add, add two bowls of chili, some cornbread. Oh, oh, it was phenomenal. Yeah. Well, I'm glad Any you turkey? had it. I enjoyed the turkey. I always enjoy the turkey. Enjoyed the football, too. Yeah, football was great. We'll get to that in a second. Rifkin, again, thanks for joining us. I know it's on short notice. Um, old Ops guy who isn't feeling well today, so uh, we had to rush to get Rifkin on here. Uh, yeah, I feel better, old Ops guy. Yeah, yeah, we and wish like, old ops guy a speedy recovery. Yeah, I hope so. You hope he pulls through whatever it is, and you know he gets back to 100 in no time. And uh, we thank everyone that, uh, for being with us as always. Uh, and then log on to sportssayingnetwork.com for more of our content. Now, uh, we obviously we have uh, week 12 in, in the books. Well, almost in the books. We still have a Seattle and Washington playing on Monday Night Football. Uh, that'll be in progress as we're recording. So by the time you hear this, it'll probably be over. We don't know who the winner is, but you'll know when you start listening. So, um, congratulations yeah. to whoever wins. Yes, exactly. And then, uh, but the rest of the week 12 slate is pretty much done. Thanksgiving happened, like uh, Rifkin just said. Slate of games that, you know, were okay. I mean, it was kind of boring, but it was okay. We'll get to those in a second. The Sunday slate. 
but we have to start with baseball. And the reason why is because there have been a lot of free agent signings within the past, like, three days. And I can't keep track of it. So, um, folks, the biggest name so far that we've heard of, Max Scherzer, Corey Seager, all off the books. Corey Seager heads to Texas on a 10-year, $325 million deal. Max Everything's Scherzer, bigger in Texas. Yeah, exactly. In Texas, is signing a bunch of people. It's crazy. Max Scherzer going to Mike Rifkin's New York Mets on a three-year, get this, $130 million. My goodness gracious, that is a large, large sum of money, but uh, definitely needed for the Mets. Uh, they get a big-time one-two punch with DeGrom. Hopefully he's healthy before the season. And then, of course, you have Mad Max on the hill. One-two punch right there. And of course, we'll get to the other signing team in a second. But let's let me let's start with Scherzer here, Rifkin. What are you thinking? Well, what's the mood? Okay, so when <clears throat> when they were talking about this last night on Twitter, and yes, I was one of the people who kept refreshing Twitter to make sure Same. nothing, make sure something was going down. I really stayed up too late refreshing Twitter to make sure nothing happened, but. I was just hoping he wasn't leveraging the Mets and just to resign with the Dodgers or something like kind of like what Trevor Bauer did last year. Although I think the Mets won that case, to be oh, honest. hundred percent. I agree with you. hundred yeah, percent. So um, I'm excited. Um, I was very angry when Max Scherzer went to the nationals for reasons that could be understood, but now I don't care what team you give me. You can give me any team in baseball. The New York Metropolitans have the best one-two punch in the rotation-wise in all of baseball. They have the two best pitchers in the game right now. I know there are people who are going to say Garrett Cole, and Garrett Cole I would put three right now because I don't think there's a guy I want in a bigger game right now than Max Scherzer. The dude is – lights out he was top three again in Cy Young last year he was 37 it was his lowest ERA at 2.46 that was his lowest ERA of his career Steve Cohen I I thank you sir but I also have to thank two other people Noah Syndergaard you are a beloved soldier and you left for $2 million to go to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim to not pitch in the playoffs. Steven Matz, now you are a decently beloved soldier, but you won't go to St. Louis. This wouldn't be possible if it weren't for you guys. And to Uncle Steve Cohen, you, sir, are one of my favorite people of 2021. You're my favorite people because you bought the team. You're now one of my favorite people because you care. Under the prior regime, the coupons, the coupons wouldn't have sniffed this. The coupons would have taken a dog leak on a fire hydrant instead of (laughs) signing Max Scherzer. (laughs) And the New York Mets go out and they get the Big time fish. Last year it was Lindor. Now it's Scherzer. The ultimate question is to quote Bill Goldberg 
who's next? <laughs> exactly. And you know what? And look, I think the Mets, in my honest opinion, think the Mets are spending a bit much. But with the billionaire owner, now billion-dollar team that it's worth now, you deserve this. You deserve to have stars on your team. You deserve to, you know, build a winner by spending. Welcome to the world of spending, by the way, Mr. Mike Rifkin. How does it, that must feel great? And you know, look, I'm not look. I've been a Yankee fan for so long, so I know what it feels like to spend, 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 and win, win, win. You know, Met fan has no idea what that feels like. So it's a really, it's a change of pace. And you know what? It's, it, I like the aggressiveness. I like what's going on in that Mets. I like the conversations and the signings that Billy Upler has made so far. Yes. And, and he's been terrific. And we knew he was going to be terrific for the Mets. Uncle Stevie spending money. Yeah, exactly. Make, and, makes and it that's right the, the club like I do. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it was an embarrassing couple of weeks before this whole fiasco started. It was embarrassing a couple of weeks for Steve Cohen, but now he's going out there with a promise. He said, I'm going to build a winner for the Mets. I'm going to go out there and spend. The Mets are not going to be the laughing stock of the league. And look what's going on here. This is an unbelievable day for the Mets. And it's exciting. It really is. And uh, all I have to say is this is win now. So you better win. Oh, it's win now. Oh, it's win now. You, you got DeGrom and you got Scherzer. That Mets pitching is going to be absolutely unstoppable. At least the starting pitching. At least starting, starting pitch. pitching is going to be – okay, let me rephrase that. Starting pitching is going to be unstoppable. Yeah. I don't disagree with you, but Carlos Carrasco, who was hurt most of the last year, hopefully he bounces back. Yes. Taiwan Walker, if he could bounce back from a dreadful second half, that's fine. I'd still like for them to add some depth in the rotation. I, I'm not I'm not saying go big game hunting, but the, the Kikuchi dude from Seattle I have interest in. Carlos Rodon I have interest in. Yes. And if you want to make something worthwhile, I, it, it's not going to happen. I don't think the Mets will go prospect-wise here. Call the Reds about Luis Castillo. You want to be all in, all in? Be, what do you got oh, to lose? Let's roll. What do you got to lose? Uh, and Dan, you brought up the other signings. I love the Starling Marte signing. Yeah. In particular, he gives the Mets an element they don't have, which is speed and really a real center fielder. As good as Nimmo played there, Nimmo's not a real center fielder. He's a corner guy. Yeah. Which and, makes and- me believe the Marte signing and the Marcana signing means Michael Conforto will see you later. Just don't go to Philly. Yeah, and, and, and it's unfortunate, but look, if I'm the Mets, this is a 100% upgrade. You're mm-hmm. making a 100% upgrade over Absolutely. the Syndergaards and the Confortos. I mean, is Nemo still under contract? Like, what, what's going Nemo, on? Nemo's yeah. under contract. So, so, and- you, you, look, you can be, you, you can be, you can stick in what, what, right field, left field, like you can do that. Yeah. Like, and look, Nimmo is the type of person that could get on base. He's the type of person that can get you a hit here and there. So he's a he's a reliable player. He's just not big time. You need big time. And you got that with Sterling Marte for sure. And I make this case in, in something I wrote a couple of weeks ago. 
scouting out this offseason with the old ops guy. I think they should sign Nemo to a long-term deal. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a believer in the guy because, one, his personality is infectious. He's always smiling, always hustling. The fans love him for it. And he's not a bad guy. He's not a bad player. He's a very, and he's not going to cost you a hundred million dollars. He's not. Yeah. So you could sign him, sign the polar bear. So he doesn't have to hibernate down in Florida every winter. (laughs) We got the $340 million shortstop who even in a down year at 20 home runs, you've got two of the three best. Stevie. Stevie, let's roll. Let's get to February. Get to spring training. I'm all in. You know, it's good to see the Mets. Because like what you said earlier, Reg, we're Yankee fans. We're used to spending the money. We're used to, you know. I think the best way to describe Steve Cohen and the New York Mets is basically right now being someone who's dirt broke but marrying – to a family with a rich-ass uncle. And the rich-ass uncle is now covering everything. And you're like, we, we like this. We like this. Well, you, you brought up the Yankees. The Mets fans have dealt with the Yankees spending. They've dealt with the Philly spending. Now West Coast, you see the Dodgers always spending. And you're New York City. You're an embodiment of the best city in the world. Spend like it. Yeah, well, for the longest time, they couldn't because of the Wilpons and the right. Madoff situation. That, right, but that, that was just I, brutal, brutal for the Mets. Like, it, it was tough. I don't think I've been this excited for a New York Met edition since the Johan Santana trade. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was about to ask you about that. Like, you know, like this is, the, this is a really big day for the New York Mets. I'm really excited for them and their fans, and I expect to. I expect now a good season out of them. There's no excuses here. You know, like you said, don't stop. You have high. You have Javi Baez. I mean, he's probably going to go somewhere else, but try to get Baez. Why not? Get me Baez. Get me another starter. Get some help in the bullpen. Yeah, let's go. Exactly. Mets could be dangerous this year. I think they kind of have to because in my lifetime now, I've seen every other team in the NL East win the World Series outside of the Mets. Hmm. You know, with the Braves winning, I've seen the, uh, the Phillies, the Nats, and even those Marlins won a World Series with Josh Beckett. Ugh, don't remind me of that World Series. I was big Josh Beckett guy. He had great flow. Yeah. Again, Mets making big moves, so good for them. Also making big moves out of nowhere, Texas. My goodness gracious. Like, how many players have they signed so far to, like, of contracts worth over, in total, like, over $550 million? Yeah, John Gray, Seeger, and yeah. Marcus Simeon. Yeah, those are those are big signings there uh, by Texas. So, uh, they're, they're trying to go from, you know – 102 games lost last year to, you know, being a fairly successful team. Like they're trying to chase at least 90 wins. So that was a big move. The Blue Jays making another big move. Uh, Kevin Gossman getting a $110 million contract. 
And uh, that, that was a, that to me was uh, that five-year deals. I'm just going to be real here. I thought that was a better deal uh, than what the Mets gave Scherzer. But again, the Mets getting Scherzer was an absolute need. So like, don't, I'm not going to blame the Mets for going after that. Um, but uh, Blue Jays getting Kevin Gosman. Pretty active in free agency. Even the Mariners, the Mariners going out and getting Robbie Ray. And, you know, Robbie Ray, you know, who had a, who had a very nice season. Um, Last season with the, the Jays, you know he uh, he goes out there and he goes to Seattle, and Seattle's also trying to build a winner. So five years, five years, one hundred fifteen million dollars. Yes, yeah, and then the the, the reason why it's so, such a big the, the, all this free agency news is coming out now, and it's exciting. The reason why it's so exciting is because of the fact that there's something looming. And it's called the CBA. It expires on December 1st at 11.59 p.m. And after that, there are going to be talks. Right now, there really hasn't been anything news-wise about it. So they've been fairly quiet, I guess. And we don't know where it's going to go. Like, it's... Based on my predict, my prediction is that it's going to be there's going to be work stoppage and it's going to be really bad for baseball. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't trust it. I really don't, Mike. I don't want to say there's going to be a work stoppage because I don't want to think negatively, right? But I, I somehow Rob Manfred, Tony Clark, or you you got to figure this out. You you have lockouts suck for everybody, but when you're major league baseball and your popularity needs to be increased, because your popularity needs to be increased, a lockout is the last thing you need or want. I'll be honest with you. I hate the fact that this is billionaires versus millionaires over money, because that's essentially what this is is gonna be. Players want this, this, and this. The owners want this. Do what's best for both sides and just come to a deal. Come to a deal. If I'm going to give you an ultimatum, it would be before New Year's. Don't hurt spring training in any way. Let's just get a deal done. Work stoppages suck for everyone. But I don't trust Rob Manfred to do it. I don't. No. Okay, I just want to say, um, first of all, Rob Manfred, I still don't like you, and yeah, I haven't had, I haven't said that in a while. But anyway, to be honest, I'm kind of with Rifkin on this one. I, I think there is going to be a work stoppage, and the reason is because last year when we had the whole problem with COVID and the whole fight over that. There's, there's probably still going to be some bad blood between the owners and the players. There's still going to be some bad blood. There's always bad blood when it comes to this stuff, though. Yeah. And, you know, and I even said that last year. I said, you know, at the end of next season, I was speaking last year, what's coming? The, the CBA expires. So they're not going to be exactly coming, holding hands, singing Kumbaya. So, I 
pray to God that there is going to be no work stoppage and that we can just continue with baseball season as usual. But I have this feeling, like, hopefully the optimistic thing is, like Rifkin said, maybe till New Year's and maybe try to get things settled like end of December, beginning of January. And then by the time we get to spring training, we're good to go. But I have this gut feeling that spring training might be pushed back a little bit. So I just hope both sides, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred, can just sit down, come to an agreement, and we can just go on. I want to say this because you brought up last season, 2020. And this is where I'm going to really kind of side with the players here because of the conditions the players had to play in. I understand the owners had no one in the, in the seats and they were losing money based on that. But Rob Manfred impl- implied, you know, he made sure there was a season. He was the guy. The players really didn't want to have to go out and play. Rob Manfred said, no, there's going to be a season and this is how we're going to do it. So that's on Rob Manfred. No, I agree. I agree. No, no. And my point is this. If that ticks off the players so much that there's going to be a work stoppage, now we have a problem because now there's an issue between the players, not just Tony Clark, but the players themselves and the people they're entrusting with their playing careers, the owners. That is really just not a good thing that Rob Manfred did with such a short time before the CBA expires. So I wonder what kind of impact that has. I'm also hoping we're not hearing much because maybe behind the scenes, they're like, let's just iron this stuff out. That's that's another thing I'm thinking of. It's like, you know, if they're fairly quiet about it, are they negotiating quietly and no one knows about it? Because if that's the case, kudos to MLB and the Players Association for, you know, not making such a big news story about it because it will be a big news story this week. And it's very unfortunate. To me, the players they have to come together with the owners. I get it. Money's involved. Uh, the conditions are involved. There's a lot of things that are involved here. Mostly money. They need to come to a deal. A lockout, work stoppage. It hasn't happened since 94. That was the last big uh, work stoppage that they had, and it almost ruined baseball. Imagine what a work stoppage like this one that could be coming up. Imagine what it can do. And you know, Rifkin made a great point earlier. The fact that that popularity of baseball has been dwindling since the twenty since the turn of the century, really. Probably, probably much before that, but you know. Before the 21st century started, like baseball was a very, very popular sport. Everyone loved baseball. Nowadays, no, baseball just is not connecting the way it used to. So a lockout, whatever you want to call it, it's not good for the sport. It really isn't. It's going to be one of the things that may ruin it. So get together, make it right, and get a deal done. The last thing I want to see is the players, one, fighting over money that they 
to be honest, they make too much money. I'm going to be real. Players make too much money. They need to stop fighting over the money. Talk with the owners. See what middle ground they can reach. Because right now, it clearly isn't working. Trying to maintain whatever salaries they have. I'm sorry. It's not. It's not working. But like what you said, it's either one of two things. It's either like, okay, everything's going smooth. We don't want to make this a big story. We just want to make this quick and painlessly as possible so we can move forward and have a 2022 season. Or we're keeping things quiet because things are really hot, because things are getting really tension, and we don't want a trial by the media right now. Exactly. Rob Manfred, if you're listening, and I know you are, if you don't get a deal done, because right now you're in a real tug of war with Gary Bettman for worst commissioner in all sports. And that's a, a thing I would never say about any commissioner. You have to get this done if you want to save some face here, Rob. And he has been a brutal, brutal commissioner. From cheating scandals to uh, issues between the players and the owners, like you know, obviously COVID was a, a big thing. That that was hard for all all major sports, but the way it was handled was just terrible. It was terribly handled. And I think of all the sports last year, I think Manfred of all the commissions handled it the worst. It, it was terrible, and he knows it, and he knows he has to make it right. I just don't trust him to make it right. And as a longtime baseball fan, that's tough for me to say. It's tough for me to to say that because you know it, it's not the same anymore it's not the same the politics has really got in there and Manfred is not making it any better so get a deal done uh, quickly before we go to football what are the Yankees doing Bill I'm sorry like you're not uh, doing anything yeah look my only thought about it is this maybe since they are giving a little bit of Time for boom. They gave him a three-year deal. What if they're just waiting for their prospects to blossom and come up? Which would be a bad whatever. Thing. It's not the te- it's not the worst thing, but the problem is you have Yankee fan base that always wants to win. So they're not winning, you're gonna get criticized. And also you gotta look at this. Kluber went to Tampa Bay. Yeah, I don't care about Kluber. He sucked. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I didn't know if you remember that or not. I apologize. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyway, hopefully, yeah, you're right. Maybe they're waiting for the prospects to blossom. But, you know, also, they could possibly still be waiting on Carlos Correa, too. I I would much rather Volpe from the minor leagues than Correa. I have to ask this because you're a Yankee. You people, you guys are Yankee fans, so I have to ask this. Right. Yeah, after, after after everything that happened in 17, you guys would cheer for Carlos Correa. No, I would not. I don't want him on my team. Okay. I don't okay. I don't want that baggage. No, that's fine. I'm just because for, for me, because on the Twitter, you, you see people, oh, we, we're gonna go get Correa, we're gonna go get this guy. No, why would you want Correa after all that yeah, happened? No, and, and look. And look, I'm not going to lie. If Carlos Correa comes onto my team, of course I'm going to cheer for Carlos Correa. Yeah. He's on the Yankees. What am I going to do? Not cheer for the Yankees? Yeah. No, no, you can just root against that guy. That happened to me with Carlos Beltran after 06. 
No, uh, I, I, look, I'm a, I'm, I'm a team guy. I just worry about who's on the team. Right. I'm the team guy. If they are playing Carlos Correa at shortstop, they're playing Carlos Correa at shortstop. There's not my opinions about him. Obviously, I have a lot of opinions about him, and they're not going to change regardless. But I'm going to cheer for him, just like I cheer for A-Rod with his, and his nonsense that he had that he made us Yankee fans go through. I cheer for him. So I'm going to do the same. Uh, for for me, I hope it's the second part. I hope it's the prospects developing, yeah. mainly because they've got six hundred million tied up in, in Stanton yeah. and Cole, and Cole, now they're gonna they're talking about signing Judge. Yeah, and then you have that ridiculous contract that Aaron Hicks is on, um, yeah. and he's uh, and he, needs to he, go. Has, he hasn't been healthy, and it's been a terrible. Hicks contract. is absolutely useless. Yeah. So clearly Go they have cease. a lot on they have a lot on the hook. They still I mean Rizzo's still out there, correct? If I'm not mistaken. Rizzo's still out there, but yes. from what I've heard is they're interested in Matt Olson from Oakland. Okay, that's that's not that's not a bad idea. Look, I just I feel like, like I think he'd be good. I I think the Yankees are trying to wait until the prospects come up. No. And I think it's a smart move because three of them are in, in what the top 100 prospects, which is you know, I mean, obviously it's not the most of any team. Like there's teams that have more than that, um, but they have three top 100 prospects in baseball, the Yankees. So, it I can see what they want to do. It's not the worst idea. I'm just saying. For a franchise that has been about winning, 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 and spending, 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 it's a tough turn to get fans to be on board with this. It really is. If they had said to the fans, hey, this is what we're doing, like what the Rangers did with the letter, I think the fans would have to appreciate that because there was open honesty about what's going on. When you when you want to be the New York Yankees and you don't do anything and you see all these guys, Seegers off the board, he would have been a perfect fit. You see the Mets make the splash with Scherzer. Yeah. He's gone. Where where are the Yankees? What are the yeah. Yankees doing? Is yeah. Cashman sitting on his hands? Is he doing this? Is he yeah, be yeah. honest with the fan base? Yeah. Like, They're gonna spend I, money regardless going to games. Yeah. I would like, have been a- the thing. Here's the thing about Brian Cashman, though. Brian, you better make some, you better be very smart here, my friend, because I guarantee you this season, the fans are watching you, pal. And this is the last year in his contract. So right. this could possibly be, again, we don't know. We don't know. But again, if you have another blown season, it might get to the point that. Mr. Steinbrenner might call Mr. Cashman into his office and say, Brian, thank you for your years of service to our organization, but we're going to need a new, we're going to have to go a new direction. So you have till tomorrow to clean out your office. Bye-bye. Yeah. And that's another thing, you know, it's a new direction for the Yankees. You know, they go from, spend, spend, spend to spend, but we're also going to play the analytics game. And that may be what they're trying to do here too. So not, not, not saying they are, but it's an idea. 
maybe what they're just using the numbers. And the numbers don't necessarily mean going out and paying so much. Sort of like the Oakland A's model. But again, that's models for the small market teams, like the Tampa Bay Rays. And, and I think, Bill, you brought up the right guy, but you also brought up the wrong guy. So you're blaming Cashman for a lot of this, and that's fine. I blame Steinbrenner because his daddy. No, no, his hands aren't. No, Riff. Steinbrenner's hands aren't clean in Elmer's either. His no, no, hands are not clean. But, but, but here's my point on that. His daddy wouldn't let the Mets go get the headlines. His daddy exactly. would have been so angry when the Red Sox won the World Series that he would have been quick on to something else. Here's the splash we're going to make. That That's what they, what he would do. New, it, it, once the stadium opened and they won the World Series, it was like they, they played content. They have played content when it comes to the market at times. Yes, they they made the, the Stanton trade, I think, because of Derek Jeter. If Derek Jeter had nothing to do with the Marlins, I don't know if they'd make the Stanton deal. They went out and made the Garrett Cole sign because Garrett Cole's really good. But the Yankees used to be a, a team that, yeah, we could go sign big free agents, but we also have our own guys and, and guys we could be proud of and develop. Yeah, we can go get an A-Rod and Sheffield and this guy, but we still got Derek Jeter at shortstop. We still got Bernie in center field. We still got Jorge Posada behind the plate. Now the only homegrown guy you guys probably feel good about, really good about, is Judge. Yeah. Because everything else is either an addition or someone who's worn out as welcome, i.e. Gary Sanchez. Yeah, don't get me started on him. Yeah, it, 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 it's not. It's again, if they want to start bringing their own guys, I'm not going to be mad about it. But we need to know that's the plan. Like Rifkin said, we need to know that's the plan. If we don't know what the plan is, then we're gonna we have a right to criticize it. We have a right to criticize it if the season goes poorly, as poorly as it is. So that's we'll okay. monitor. Yeah. We'll monitor the Yankees, and again, uh, we hope for another good season. The Yankees don't have a terrible team, but imagine if they get shut out in free agency. And get no, I just want to players. say, I just want to say one quick thing before we move on to football. Um, you know, Mike. Again, I think if George was alive, I think Boone would be gone. Oh yeah. I, I don't know about Cashman though because Cashman was George's boy. So yeah, but well, the, but you know what? And I said this before. But then we can move on to the NFL. But I said this before. Hal Steinbrenner has to let Brian Cashman go because he's got to make it. He's holding on to Brian Cashman because again, Brian Cashman was George's boy. But but Bill and he helped him with those A days but, in the nineties and the but early. Bill, that's that that cannot be the reason here. I feel like it's one I feel of like the op- reason. It's one. I feel one of the reasons. Though. I feel like it's the opposite. I think it's the fact that Hal is not expected to be like George and be as involved. George was very involved with the Yankees. Hal is not involved. He doesn't give a fuck. He's a business guy. So that's where. When my dad met Roy White, that's what Roy White said. Was the problem is 
the boys run it like a business. Yeah. When George so, was in charge, if if they if any of the older guys they needed a, if they wanted a raise, he'd say done, no questions asked. Like he did run it like a business, but he knew that if you wanted to build championship teams, you had to spend money. I.e., Steve Cohen. Exactly. <laughs> I will. I don't. I don't think you're wrong in any of this, Bill. I I, I would say this though to to quick last quick thing. I don't think that's fair to Brian Cashman if you're just gonna say, "Oh, you're staying because you were my dad's guy." Yeah, which is why I don't agree. With that. Right. If they really wanted to put their stamp on showing, "Hey, we're gonna go do this," I don't think Aaron Boone would have a job regardless. Aaron Boone would not have been brought back. The AL East is the AL beast now because Tampa every year, doesn't matter their payroll, they're really good. The Boston Red Sox are still very good. The Toronto Blue Jays with that core of talent, and they just added Kevin Gosman to a rotation that already features Jose Barrios, uh, Alex Manoa, who was really good last year's rookie. They're coming I'm jealous of the Blue Jays. <laughs> yeah, you're, I mean, they're good. They're talented. They're fun to watch. It's the New York Yankees. You could almost every year write them a playoff team, playoff team. I can't do that anymore. Yeah, and I think that's win. the thing that would upset George the most is you can't pencil them in for October baseball. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting a Teenager Learning the Lingo. GOAT, G O A T, acronym stands for greatest of all time. As in, spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the goat. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. You are listening to The Sports Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Make sure to like us on Facebook by searching SIN Sports Insanity Podcast. And also follow us on Twitter by searching at SIN Sports Insane. And now back to the bottom half of the inning on the Sports Insanity Podcast. On to the NFL. Um, and like I said, week 12. Still going on with Monday Night Football. But we did have games on Thursday and Sunday. Uh, just a quick thing on the Thursday games. The Bears-Lions was boring. Of course, who wins? The Chicago Bears because the Lions stink. What's and new? Matt Nagy still has a job. <laughs> exactly. For now. For now. Exactly. Uh, the, the, most of the, the, the most entertaining of the games to me was Raiders-Cowboys by far. And, you know, the, the reason for that is because it went to overtime one. Two the Raiders, they actually showed up. They played very oh, well against Dallas. That was a great game. Yeah. And then um, on top of that, you had Bills, Saints, and of course the Bills were out in New Orleans. They exposed them for what they are. And, you know, the Bills, they're one of those teams that are like, what are you? One week you stink, the other week, you know, you're really good. Like, I, I, I don't know what to say about the Bills anymore. Maybe I'm not saying they're frauds, but it, it's it's fascinating to see the season that they had. 
and they lose Tredavious White, which is a huge loss for them. So when I saw that, I, I immediately thought of Moser for a second. I was like, oh, my God, he loves Tredavious White. And that was a big loss. I, I love Tredavious White, too. That draft, I was begging for the Dolphins to draft him. Oh, uh, of course you were. Of course so, you were. Well, actually, you, you know Adam. Adam and I talk draft all the time. So Adam, I would tell Adam and go, who do you want in the first? I really want this Trey White kid, LSU corner. <laughs> and then we'll, we'll talk draft, and the Bills will just draft players we both love. But Trey White is such a good shutdown corner that yeah. – in the playoffs, when they're playing teams, I'm just going to use the Bengals as my example because that's the first team that came to my mind. That's probably your matchup for Jamar Chase. And now Jamar, instead of chasing waterfalls, Jamar Chase be chasing touchdowns. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's such a brutal loss. Defensively, it'll hurt. Hopefully, the offense can pick them up. But well, you hope that the rest of the defense. I mean, that's yeah. a good. That's a great defense there in Buffalo. You just hope that one loss on the defensive side is not going to, you know, derail the entire season. I, I I'm not expecting it to, but yeah, it, it's tough. So the Bills got to adjust uh, with the loss to uh, Trey White. Bucks and Colts. Uh, <laughs> my director's a Colts fan, but he's not happy about that. Um, we have to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but we are going to talk about it because it wasn't a pretty win for Tampa Bay. It was, listen, it was a good game. The Colts, listen, if you're the Colts, you just can't turn the ball over five times. It's inexcusable. Especially against a team like the Bucs, who you know... Usually it's the Tom Brady show, but yesterday there was a Prince concert. And instead of singing Little Red Corvette, they sang Little Red Fournette because Leonard Fournette ran all over the Colts defense, four touchdowns, 100 rushing yards. I I, I mean, you cannot give games like the Bucs. It just cannot happen. Although I, I... I've loved everything Carson Wentz has done in Indy, but yesterday was just – it was a bad day. Bad I mean, day against I mean, the wrong team. I mean, was it a bad day? I mean, look, he had the two interceptions, but he also threw three touchdowns and 306 yards passing. Like, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a bad day. Colts just weren't ready for the Bucks, really. We weren't ready for the Bucks defense, and the Bucks defense made mistakes too. I mean, Colts scored oh, yeah. If you want to beat the Bucks, just throw on them. They're yeah. secondary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, not it's, not, it's not very good, but they still scored a lot of points there. Wentz had a good day. Bucks just had a better day. They're on the running game. Uh, they made the bigger plays when they had to. And let's be honest here. What you know, they were more prepared for that game than the Colts were. Yep. And it sucks for Indy because Indy was on a streak. They had a three-game winning streak. They're riding high. They're trying to make the playoffs. They still can. They still have plenty of time to do that. Uh, but uh, this this loss is a damper for them because you know, it makes their journey a little bit harder for Frank Reich and company. Yeah. 
and I just want to say it's like yesterday at half, the Indy Indy was up ten points at half, and I remember I was sort of thinking, oh, Brady got beaten, but Tom Brady had to come out and remind everyone why he's Tom Brady. And again, Fournette, fantastic game yesterday, and good for one of my fantasy teams too. Wink, wink. Um. Don't say the wink wink part. It's creepy. You know what? It kind of does what you think about it. Thank you, Rifkin. Um, That's what I'm here for. To ruin my jokes. No, to not get you arrested on the podcast. <laughs> good, good advice. Red, please edit that out. The wink wink. Please edit that out. Um, no. Don't tell this us what good. to do. We're renegades. No. Hell no. <laughs> if you don't but want yeah. it said, if you don't want it said, don't put it in the podcast. Anyway, um <laughs> uh just just uh, going over here rest of the rest of the field. Jonathan Taylor. Eh. Yeah, touchdown. That was nice. Uh, Tom Brady also had a pretty decent game, 25, 34, 226 yards of touchdown. Uh, but again, the star of the day was Leonard Fournette. He was unbelievable. And Bucks win 38-31. New York Jets. Comeback game for Zach Wilson coming off that knee injury. And again, Zach Wilson acting like a rookie, making rookie mistakes. But the Jets win. Against the You'll Houston Texans. It, of course they'll take it. Why not? They it's a beat. win. Yeah, why not? Win's uh, a win. Look, obviously the, the Jets should beat the Houston Texans. Texans stick. But, you know, I, I, the only reason why I'm happy about it is because they're my team. And I don't want to go another year of, Five and eleven, or four and twelve, two and fourteen. You know, even though even though that's, none of those records possible anymore, thanks to the seventeen game season. You know what I mean? I'm sick and tired of having three win seasons, four win seasons, five win seasons. I want to start to build, build more of that. And you know, the, the hope is that again, with development and you learn how to win, that the Jets will get better and better every week. Again. Beating a team like Houston is expected, and I'm happy. But now they got to go out there and win games against even better teams. I just would like to say, Zach Wilson, you know, got sacked four times yesterday, so he's still a little rusty. And also, do we need to talk about the interception from yesterday? Ah, the incomparable back interception. Exactly. (laughs) Reminiscent of a butt fumble. <laughs> it's like his version of the butt fumble, except it's an interception. It's just yeah, that's happened on a better, on a more marquee game, just so it could become another laughing stock. But listen, a win's a win. Houston's exactly. terrible. The Jets aren't very good either. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I will say for the Jet on the Jets side. One person that had a really nice day. He just got off the practice squad, and of course, he had his name was called the night before the game, and that's Austin Walter. He had nine carries, 38 yards, 
and a touchdown. And that's that's a feel-good moment for someone who's trying to get a chance in the NFL and was able to have a, a pretty solid game. He's obviously he's not the best. He's a young guy, not obviously not the best running back in the league yet. Uh, but for someone that's you know given the call and doing his job, that was pretty good. I was really I was really happy for that. Uh, another person I'd like to shout out, I killed him all season, rightfully so, given the contract that he was given. And that was John Franklin Myers. He had uh, two sacks on the day, three tackles, and, of course, he also had an interception. So I was, like, really happy to see John Franklin Myers finally have a game where he feels like he earned that contract that the Jets gave him. So uh, I was really stoked for him. And, you know, even Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson – he he had a rushing touchdown through again through an interception, but you know it was good to see him back. And I know look, it was under the circumstances you with know, Joe Flacco and Mike White were on the COVID reserve, so they couldn't play. So you know Zach Wilson with a bad knee had to go out there. But give him credit, you give him credit, and I'm happy to see that he's out there again developing. And it was probably one of his best games of the season. Uh, certainly the best game called by uh, Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator. I'm also, really shout out Elijah Moore. They found a receiver there. Yeah, he's definitely the number one guy now. Dude's legit. I don't know how other teams let him go in the draft, but. I mean, look, I think the Jets obviously lucked out with that one. I'm really happy about that. And, again, I, I expect him to be even better as the season goes on better next year let's let's do it i'm look the more i'm watching the jets the more i'm realizing that there's some good pieces here and again i criticize the general manager for not giving us good players but i'm i'm seeing the jets reap the benefits of many trades and draft picks that they've received it's a good thing going on so i'm i'm actually pretty pretty happy about that and Again, hope is that they develop and learn how to win. And Robert Sala, you know, this is a good good day by the defense, so that sort of indicates him, but not quite. He still has a lot to learn as a head coach. But, again, that was another good game for the Jets. Let's stay in the uh, AFC East, and let's go to New England, as they absolutely dominated the Tennessee Titans. And showed why the best team they're the best team in the AFC. They're the team to beat now. I don't care what the standings show. Patriots are the team to beat. What do you think, Rifkin? They are the hottest team right now. Uh I, I put them right up there with the teams to beat in the AFC. I think I don't the thing about the AFC which is different from the NFC for me is there's not one team that's gonna do- that could dominate. There's a lot of really good teams. New England's really good. Buffalo's really good. Baltimore's really good. Tennessee's really good. Kansas City's really good. Indy's really good. Those are probably the six to me who are really, really good. I can see any one of those six teams winning the AFC. But the there's something about the Bill Belichickian-led Patriots. The money they spent in free agency. Kendrick Bourne, who had a great touchdown yesterday. John U. Smith has played well. 
Hunter Henry's been a touchdown machine. Oh, let's go to the other side of the ball. Matthew Judon, all he is is he's up in the top of the league at sacks. Kyle Van Noy's back. This is a team. He only needed one. Everyone said it was all about Brady because the Bucs won the Super Bowl. Newsflash. The New England Patriots had eight guys opt out on defense last year. They had Cam Newton and random guys playing quarterback. You know what happens when you give Bill Belichick a real quarterback? The New England Patriots can win football games. And that's and all that Jones. Exactly. Mac Jones has been the best of all of the rookie quarterbacks. And if there is not a deal done in New England with McDonald's and Mac Jones on games he throws two <laughs> touchdowns or more, you get a free Big Mac. I'm going to start marketing for it. And I will make myself a ton of money, McDonald's. <laughs> so you're going to start writing to McDonald's and tell them that, man? I, I am. Get a Big Mac when he throws two touchdowns. Look, you you take the year to see things through. It was a transition period for the New England Patriots. They knew Cam Newton wasn't going to be the guy forever. They were probably just holding out until they can get a quarterback, which they did. They also needed a season to see what they had before they went out there and spent a lot of money in the offseason. The Patriots, I never worried about the Patriots, really. You know, obviously it was something new last year because we're not used to the Patriots, at least in my lifetime. I'm not used to the Patriots stinking, and they stunk last year. But again, it was a transitional period. It was, they're going out, with the old and they're coming in with this new regime here. Not necessarily like coaching wise, but definitely player wise. And so far the Patriots have shown me that with this new team that they're building here with this amazing quarterback and not, not there. He's not, you know, having all these big ass highlight reels, but he's a serviceable quarterback and he's been amazing. He is polished. What they've shown me is that they are a good team and that Bill Belichick can coach with anybody. Now we know that Bill Belichick can coach with anybody. And this is proof of it. Because, you know, I said this, um, you know, I said this a couple weeks ago. I think I said this on Thursday night, Gridiron. Um, you know, like last year, um, Brady in Tampa Bay was trying to prove I don't need Bill Belichick to win a Super Bowl. And now I can kind of see this year Belichick saying, hey, I don't need Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. But, you know, how funny would it be if it's a New England-Tampa Bay Super Bowl? That's not happening. (laughs) I'm just saying it'd be funny. It would be funny. It it would be funny. It would actually be be hilarious. I mean, we got the regular season game. <laughs> True. It was uh, a Matt- good game. The Bucs oh, lucked out. <laughs> yeah. the, the weather killed it, but it was a great game. <laughs> uh, Mac, Jones, Mac Jones on the day, 23, 32, 310 yards, two touchdowns. And, uh, again, very polished, 
The defense looks amazing. The, the Titans only scoring 13. But, and look, the Titans are depleted. The, the, the team that's injury riddled, it sucks for them. But if they're if the coach is as good as he says he is, if the quarterback is as good as he says he is, he would go out there with anybody and would win games. And he has shown yesterday that he cannot. And this, you know, I don't think the Titans have been necessarily exposed. It's just that they're, like you said, they're depleted right now. Brown's hurt. Henry's hurt. They're just falling apart. And they could try and hold their head above water. Like if the season went to end today, they have the number three seed in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, they caught a break with Indy losing because they maintain, a, I think it's a two game lead, three, two or three oh, game leads. Yeah. Give me Uno Memento. Nonetheless, they maintained the lead in the division. Colts didn't gain a game. So, yeah. So that's one thing they have going for them. Uh, yeah. I'm getting to it. Um, yeah, they have a two-game lead. Uh, all right. And I think they have a – I don't know if they – they might have the bye week coming up, too. They have a bye week. So everyone get healthy. <laughs> if they can. Advice from Dr. Rifkin. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather have them heal up now and or be hurt now than come right before the playoffs. <laughs> that's when I need those guys healthy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Bill, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles. Go we ahead. want another game. We want another game. Um, yeah, I'm going to say this. The game was – okay. For those of you who have been living under a rock, you all know Jason, Jason Garrett was fired last week. Thank God. And I'll be honest, from what I saw yesterday – slight improvements but in on the offense but I think Freddie Kitchens has a lot to work has a lot of work to do with that offense has a lot of work to do in that offense and listen I'm saying this as a giant fan that touchdown that was caught that wasn't a touchdown yeah is it caught it between his legs what are you talking about he earned it he had control of the ball Reg's favorite rule Remember, he, he earned that. But I want to say this though: the defense looked really good yesterday. The defense looked good. The defense won that game yesterday, and I got him towards the end when the Eagles scored that touchdown. I was getting a little nervous. I'm like, my dad was like, I think we're gonna lose this one. I think they just really, they just really stepped up to play, and I think it was a good win. And Riff, they're playing your team next week. Oh, have fun with that one. They went for it or up. Here to place a wager? No, I don't, I don't gamble. Okay. I don't Just gamble. what I ask. Listen, um, here's the thing about the Giants, and you can say whatever you want. Jason Garrett sucked. Oh, yes. he did. He got fired because he gave someone the clap. He applauded too much. <laughs> Daniel Jones still stinks. And, and, and that, that's my biggest beef with the New York Giants is I don't trust Daniel Jones to go out and win a game. And like, you know, here's what I got to say. I will slightly defend Daniel Jones here. The offensive line sucks. No, no, no. I, 
that that's fine. That's undisputable. The offensive line does suck. I think he sucks too. I'm at the point where I've seen too much of Daniel Jones. And I talked about this with the old Oscar yesterday on the Sunday sideline show. I'm hoping Jason Garrett's the beginning of the purge. We all have to wear a mask for it. No, well, we're all, we already have to wear masks, but Dave Gettleman, Joe Judge, Daniel Jones all have things. to be mixed. A few quick things I'd like to say about that. One, um, with Daniel Jones, because there are talks right now, there are reports going around that the Giants are thinking about trading up two first-round draft picks. For Russell Wilson. Yes, do it in a heartbeat. Well, look, here's what I've been saying. I said this on a Giants fan page. I don't want to hear about Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers until that freaking O-line is fixed. I don't want to hear it. So, now, listen, don't get me wrong. Like what Red said about Carlos Correa, if Russell Wilson comes to the Giants, I will root for him. I love Russell Wilson. But the problem is you got to fix the O-line before you get a new quarterback. And no. But he, here's where I think you're wrong. Okay. Tell me why. Be, I, I'm, I'm, I think three things. One, Russell Wilson is, I don't want to say smarter, but he's more savvy than Daniel Jones. He gets rid of the ball quicker. He can throw the ball away yes, quicker. and he can run Dan, too. Dan, Daniel Jones, to me, every time he has the ball, he wants to make a play. And that's a problem when when the O-line stinks. His mindset really should be about, you know, driving down the field and getting points. His mindset should be, why did the Counting Crows write a song about me called Mr. Jones? I I mean, that's my biggest thing. That's a good song. Um, I love that song. Two, um, if you get Russell Wilson – there are offensive linemen who might want to come play with Russell Wilson exactly. or Aaron yeah, Rodgers. You're, you're, you're There's that superstar. There's that superstar. Hey, I want to go play with this guy. Yeah. A la the, the NBA effect. Yeah. So but I think you, those are two things. And three, you can find offensive linemen through the draft. Yeah. You just have to do a good enough job scouting to say, this guy can work. This guy will work. Because let's be honest, they could have had – they drafted Will Hernandez, I think, in the second round of the year they drafted Saquon. In that draft alone, if you flip places, the Colts took Quentin Nelson a couple of picks later after Saquon, and Cleveland a couple of picks after the Giants took Will Hernandez, took Nick Chubb. So you're at the point where you could have had Nick Chubb and Quentin Nelson. We could have. Right. So to me – if you can go, get, you can go find offensive linemen deep in the draft. That's not going to be a problem. It's how you scout, how you develop them. And if you go get Russell Wilson, one, it brings immediate star attention to New York City, which beautiful. He could get other guys to play with him, whether they're from Seattle or elsewhere. Guys would want to play with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. And three. Russell Wilson gives you something. Uh, Russell Wilson erases a wrong I think the Giants made. So the Giants made a wrong about three, four years before Daniel Jones. They benched Eli Manning for Geno Smith. 
Eli had a better year. Eli yeah, had, he did have a bad year, he but, but you should have given the ball to Davis Campbell back. You should have given it. You should have given the kid right. a chance. This, this, this is my snap. point. If you had found out what Davis Webb was, if we could have figured this out. We could have gone down this hole. Instead, you go to Geno Smith, who you knew wasn't the answer long term. Now, you still don't know who your long term solution is at quarterback, yeah. and, and that's a problem. And here's something, Rifkin. Um, I don't know if too many people know this. As much as I can't stand Ben McAdoo, or as I affectionately call him McAdud, um, you hated his porn stash. <laughs> yeah, I hated his porn stash, but. He, I was here. He wanted to draft Pat Mahomes. I mean, the Chiefs moved up twenty spots to go get him. But the but the but the Giants ownership and and the genius known as Jerry Reese all laughed McAdoo out of the building and said, "We're staying with Eli." And listen, I love Eli. I cannot say anything bad about him. He gave me two Super Bowls. I can't say anything bad about him. But it, maybe it was time to go to Pat Mahomes. But getting back on my points of the current situation, okay, when it comes to David Gettleman, reports were surfacing yesterday that he will likely not be back next year. And all I can say, if that is true, two words, good riddance. And the, the thing is, if Gettleman's gone and this ties into Gettleman's draft picks were crap, but if you tie this into Joe Judge, and like here's the thing. The problem was Jason Joe Judge did not want to work with Jason Garrett. And that was the brought by the geniuses known as John Mara and Dave Gettleman. And listen, in all honesty, you could see they weren't clicking. So my thing is, listen. I think, in all honesty, let's give Judge one more year. One more year. And if he doesn't get you 500, there's the door, buddy. See you later. But, and like, here's the thing. Do I think he should be getting another year? Yes, one more year. But here's the other thing, though. It's now looking most likely the Giants are going to have a new GM next year. It's looking very possible the Giants are going to have a new GM. And unless they go in-house, whoever they bring in is going to want to get his own coach. So I don't think – if they get a new GM, I think Judge is gone. Um, I think Judge is gone if they get a new GM. Because unless John Mara sits down and says to the GM, potential GM candidates – in the interviews, we want saying we're keeping Joe Judge, and that's not negotiable. Or we'll keep it negotiable, and if we go under 500 this year, then do whatever you want. Um, and Daniel Jones, whatever that situation goes, like I said, the O-line needs to be fixed. But if they want to go for Russell Wilson, we'll see, or Aaron Rodgers, we'll see what happens. But like I said, I – would I would give Judge another chance, but I honest to God don't think he's coming back. Because again, when a new GM, when a new GM comes in town, they want their own folks. You're not wrong. I think every GM should hire their own coach. Yeah. And and, and I 
I truly believe Gelman's gone. So is Joe Judge. And I think Joe Judge is a good coach. Like, I really do believe that, but he's just going to fall victim to that. Giants win. It's a much-needed victory. Congrats, Bill. And, uh, we won another game. We won another game. <laughs> and finally, uh, uh, we have Green Bay, L.A. Rams. And the Packers winning that game, 36-28. Another stellar game by Aaron Rodgers. 28, 45, 307 yards, two touchdowns. Going to his big, big-time receivers, Randall Cobb, A.J. Dillon. And I'll, I'll just say this very quickly. Packers are the best team. They're the team to be in the NFC. I truly believe that. I think they have officially, after this win against Los Angeles, I officially think the Packers are the team to be. Everything's going to go through Green Bay. For sure. And let me just say this one more time. Aaron Rodgers, I beg you, do not leave Green Bay. I think you're still committed. You want to be there. You need to be there. They can use you. Don't leave Green Bay. I understand you had little issues, whatever happened in now offseason, and you're being a wacky old idiot now. Stay in Green Bay. You clearly like it there. Your team is doing great there. It makes no sense for you to leave. Griffin. I agree with you that the Green Bay Packers are the, forget just the best team in the NFC. I think they're the best team in football. That you know, that's that's you know, I, I'm okay with that. I'm actually okay with I, I think that. they are the best team in football. If you're any team in the NFC right now, you pray that the Cardinals get the top seed because no team's going to want to go to Lambeau in January. No team. Maybe with the exception of the Bucs. Aaron Rodgers still playing in an MVP level. Devontae Adams is a stud. A.J. Dillon deserves a lot of love. We talk a lot about how good Aaron Jones is. A.J. Dillon, he reminds me a lot of what Brandon Jacobs used to be for the Giants. He's that big physical power back. And when he runs, he's automatically getting three, four yards. So, AJ, this defense forced three, three turnovers again yesterday. I didn't think this Packer defense was any good. Exactly. And then they're not even playing with their, their best corner, Jair Alexander's not back. Zadarius yeah. Smith's not back. Rashawn Gary. For the love of God, Rashawn Gary is finally playing like the first-round talent he was. Darnell, don't call him the macho man. Randy Savage is playing really well. (laughs) This defense is so, so good. The Green Bay Packers are the best team in the National Football League. Bookmark it, folks. I agree. From what I saw yesterday, I think they played really good. And I just want to say from the other side of the ball, really fast, the Rams, mm, mm, but, since they got OBJ, they're 0-3. Yeah, but you know. 0-2. Oh, 0-2. No, 2-2. Okay, thank you. Because they added Byron. Um, Thanks, Rick. The I don't think Odell's the problem. 
I think it's a lot of things. I think they, they, they again, they, they are, they should be expected to win more of the Rams. But I feel like now that they have this super team, that I think they're getting a little cocky. I think they're not acting like the winners that they should be. And to be honest, that's on the coaching. I'm just going to be real with you. And, you know, I respect McVay a lot as head coach, but this is another loss. Like they had a bad loss in San Francisco, and now you lose some Green Bay. Like, that's not good. That's not a good return there. And you have a lot of stars on your team that are expected to give you wins, and you're not providing that. I think the other part of this is they got big name guys, Vaughn Miller, Odell. But Odell doesn't play the same position, same position Robert Woods played. And Robert Woods was that great blocking receiver. That's not who Odell Beckham is. That's more Jarvis Landry. And defensively, they're fine in the secondary. They're fine up front. It's the linebackers. They 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 need to do something there. But I I'm a little concerned about the Rams. Not much. Every team goes through this during a season. I still think at the end of the day, the Rams are going to be around in the playoffs. Oh, for sure. I'm not. There's no question about it. But you know the fact that you had won a bad loss in San Francisco and then now a loss here, like, and you, again, you have the team, you have the players to win and you're not winning. Like, there are reasons why you went out in the trade deadline and why you picked up Odell when he became a free agent is to win and you're not winning. So, so yep. far it's not a good return to me. That's coaching because you have the players to win. That's just me. No, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay, well, another game that started here on the Sports and Sanity Podcast. Rifkin, thanks for joining us. I know you have to get you into the taping, so thanks for joining us. Really thanks for you. having me, guys. Yeah. Hey, thanks for coming, buddy. Uh, anytime, guys. <laughs> yeah, of course, you're welcome anytime. We, again, we appreciate the rock star you have been to this network, so thank you so much. Um, Sport SIN. Sports Sandy Podcast. You can search for it on Facebook. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at SIN Sports Insane. You could also follow the network Twitter S Insanity Real. Follow me at Dan underscore Ryan's. Follow Rifkin at the Pun Master Rifkin. It's a follow me at Bill Murph27. Yep. Follow all those that are on Twitter there. Uh, log on to our website, www.thesportsandsanitynetwork.com for all of our content, our blogs. Uh, we have many podcasts on our show, including Rifkin's uh, The Face Turn, Wishbone Shotgun, Breakaway. He's about to record Breakaway, Breakaway Bandits. Be sure to catch those shows. Uh, SIN's The Throwdown is also there. So be sure to catch that. They release shows every Tuesday. Also, visit OnlyFans.com slash Nathan Moser. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> Why do you do that? Oh, why do I think I'm poor Moser? <laughs> I'm not, oh. I've now got to tell him he's got to create an OnlyFans based oh, on this. <laughs> he does not have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Nate. 
Um, uh, please continue to follow the network. We really appreciate the support so far. Um, as we're getting to the new year, we have a lot of exciting things coming up. So please, please follow the network and all of our updates. Peace out, folks. Stay safe. Take care. Bill Murphy signing off. Okay, folks, a quick Sports Sanity podcast update. First of all, I want to apologize for a late release uh, this week. Um, uh, one for, for one thing, I had to work. <laughs> of course, you know, life gets in the way sometimes. So I can't get the shows out as quickly as I want to. So I, I do apologize on that front. But then at the same time, I wanted to monitor the situation going on in baseball, and I have been for the past couple of days. And as soon as I heard that the negotiations on December 1st stopped before the evening had started, like it wasn't even like 4 o'clock, and baseball ended their negotiations. That's when I knew for sure there was definitely going to be a work stoppage at that point. And it's going to be a messy, messy, messy lockout. It's going to be messy negotiations moving forward. And the fact that baseball and the owners and the players are not even at the, on the same page, that's a disgrace, dude. It is an absolute disgrace. No, no one's wavering from anything. They're not starting conversations. They're not finding some common ground. They're just on one side or the other. It's stalemate. And it's embarrassing for it's embarrassing for the league. It is absolutely embarrassing. I don't know how much I can take this, honestly. Uh, but as a lifelong baseball fan, you, you just hope and you pray that they find a way to get a deal done. You find a way to get a deal done. Uh, both sides, the uh, Major League Baseball and um, the Players Association have released statements and uh, you can read those statements online. They're pretty much everywhere. But essentially, and this is pretty much what me, Old Ops Guy, Mike Griffin, is pretty much what we suspected. That it's going to be about money. It is about money. Money was the reason for this lockout. The players want to... <clears throat> excuse me. The players want to have free agency earlier. They want to not have a salary cap. And they feel like this would help the competitive balance, the competitiveness of uh, baseball teams, you know, have a competitive balance, a fair balance all across the league. Whereas the owners are saying, this is based on what the commissioner said, what baseball saying is, we should have a free agency system that's age-based, so no more than 30 and a half years old, from my understanding, and 
that we should have more of a revenue sharing type of thing with a minimum salary, salary cap, and then a um, also whatever competitive balance tax, whatever they call it. And again, all of it comes down to money. It's about the teams want to keep more money and spend less, but the players want them to spend more. It's frustrating, dude. It really is incredibly frustrating. I just want to make this quick point, and I don't know how true this is. Now, I want to make sure that, you know, because I was watching MLB Network, obviously, as a baseball fan. You hear your league is locked. They're locking out the players. You're like, oh, crap, this is, you know, going to affect my favorite sport. So I'm watching MLB Network. And I come across something that Harold Reynolds said. I don't know how true this is. Uh, I look, I mean, I'm I'm looking it up on the Internet. There's some wacko saying it on Twitter, too. Um, I tried finding it like a more like official source. I, I can't find an official source. But apparently, and again, I don't know how true this is. So please, like, don't don't take it as like it's an actual like source, gospel, whatever. But of the total MLB payroll, which is billions of dollars, keep that in mind, billions of dollars. Thirty-three players earn fifty-one percent of that. Now again. I don't know if it's true. It could be something that was like, maybe part of that's true. Maybe it's not entirely true. Maybe it's a little misleading. I get. I don't know. I'm not gonna say that. If that's the case, though, where 33 percent of the sorry 33 players, excuse me, control over half the payroll of the total payroll, do you understand? How absolutely absurd that is. Do you understand how absurd that is? Again. I don't know. How true it is. Yeah, I'm not going to say it's true. This is just what I heard from MLB Network last night. I had to make sure that I heard that correctly. Because I. When I first heard it. I was like, no, there's just no way. There's just no no way. Then uh, Harold Reynolds, you know, I wanted to make sure he, he said that. And he did say that. So, and, and again, like, uh, there's no, I, I can't find an official source. That's why I'm not saying that's true. But if it is true, that's incredibly absurd. And what it shows is that, if that's the case, is that the players make Way too much money in baseball. The fact that 51% of the payroll goes to 33 players. Baseball has almost a thousand players in major leagues. And 33, maybe could join 51% of the entire payroll. That's crazy. That is the most craziest thing I ever heard in my life. And listen, I'm not saying that the owners have it right. I'm not saying that they have it right. Maybe they can tweak some things. 
But at the same time, the players really have to start understanding that the owners just want more competitiveness in terms of, you know, which teams can give players this amount of money and stuff. Like, understand that. It's all about making sure that from the owner standpoint, I'm not agreeing with the owners, but um, it's all about making sure that there's a fair competitive, uh, uh, fair competition in baseball. And one way they want that the owners want to do it is by having this system where the teams that have the most money, they don't have to just go after people that. Any team can go out and pay players. And it's hard to really see this. And again, I'm sick and tired of, you know, billionaires and millionaires bitching and complaining about money. Like, are you seriously going to be bitching and complaining about money here? Like, y'all make way more than many people ever playing baseball. The owners profit off baseball. Do you do you understand that? There's so many people out there in the world that make not even chump change. And these billionaires and millionaires are going out there, the owners and the players, are going out there and they're complaining about money. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. For those of you that weren't worried about it last year, I don't know what the heck you were paying attention to. Because I saw that the, the minute that they were at odds... With this, with the whole thing with COVID last season, uh, in twenty twenty, I mean, um, the minute they were at odds or about the how to handle the COVID season, that's when I knew. That's when I knew there was going to be a lot of trouble going to twenty twenty one, and that by the end of twenty twenty one, there will be lockout. And what do you know? There's a lockout. It's a shame because, again, baseball is my favorite sport. I love it to death. But this is going to dwindle its popularity if they can't get a deal done. And, I I, I mean, I I want to give credit to Rob Manfred. I'm not, again, he's definitely, he's definitely not innocent in any of this. But one thing I do give him credit for is the fact that he locked the players out now while it's still 2021 instead of waiting until 2022, early 2022. So you're talking about February, uh, March to lock out the players so that he could salvage a season. And it's a look, it may or may not work. I don't know, but it's certainly a smart thing to do because it puts pressure on the players to come in and find a common ground. But I also give credit to the players too. 
when they come out and say, hey, look, you wanted this. Why wasn't this put in, in the last screen? And keep in mind, you know, Manfred has been commissioner um, since like 2014. So and they had a CBA rule right after that. So players could come out and say, okay, cool. You want this whole revenue sharing, what you deem is fair competition in baseball? Why wasn't this starting to be established earlier? And it's a good point. It's a good point. Why wasn't it established earlier? Like they're trying to lump everything into one CBA where they could have had this. Excuse me. They could have had this sort of system in place already. Where it's like a slowly but surely thing. They'll have the CBA that they want. Uh, yeah, again, I'm frustrated as a baseball fan today. I don't know how you couldn't be. And it sucks. It really does suck. I want to. Pl- I want my sport to continue going. I want to watch summer baseball at Yankee Stadium or Nationals Park or City Field or Comerica Park. I've been to Detroit many times. I want this. But if you're not going to give it to me, it's going to be a problem. A major, major problem. The hope is that They'll find a way to get, come to an agreement and, um, again, give baseball fans what they want. So we pray for that. But as of right now, it's a stalemate. The commissioner had a presser earlier that, you know, when he met with reporters, it was it didn't give any reassurance that things were going to get done. Like, they're still pretty much at odds. Um and again, have been for over a year now. So, it's frustrating. It really is frustrating. Uh, com. Keep following uh, our blogs. So, me and Old Ops Guy were thinking about doing a blog. So, um, uh, keeping up, keep, keep an eye on news for that stuff. You know, we'll, we'll get it out there as soon as possible. Me and Bill also want to do a. Because baseball, the teams, they can agree to deals, but they can't finalize anything until after the CBA has agree, been agreed upon. So uh, they can't, uh, the teams can't really, like, officially sign people, but they can always agree. So uh, me and Bill, uh, we plan on uh, doing a thing with the Yankees. You know, we sort of did our thing during this podcast. We we want to go dive in deeper into that. Um and again, so far, Yankees doing absolutely nothing and not giving us a reason why. And it's frustrating. It really is. It's incredible. As a Yankee fan, I want to win. I want to win. But if, and again, I'm not saying this is what they're, they want to do. But if they want to get younger, just say it. Just say it, damn it. So stay tuned for more updates on this. I feel bad for players like Justin Verlander, whose contract 
apparently not official, even though he said uh, they they announced two years, two, uh, fifteen million dollars to the Astros. I don't think that contract is official, so that may jeopardize that for the Astros. Uh, I feel bad for Javi Baez. He signed with the Detroit Tigers. He may or may not have a season with them. Uh, by the way, good deal for Detroit. Uh, get stars in there and you know try to you know, help out uh, a young up-and-coming squad in Detroit, so I'm happy for that. Uh, quickly over to Monday Night Football. Washington defeating the Seattle Seahawks 17-15. to uh, It was a very good win for Washington. Defensive effort by both teams. You know, I was really happy. It was a very exciting game. Um, but uh, a great game. Great game to win by Washington. Uh, they're back in the playoff picture for sure. And I, I'm telling you, man, the, the more I watch this Washington team, and I and I ruled them out pretty quickly. Uh, what was I thinking? Uh, the more I watch this Washington team, the, the more I believe in it. The more I believe in it. And this... NFC East, if it continues to climb the way the teams continue to climb the way they do, like that, that's gonna be a problem for the Cowboys. And you know, the Cowboys sit at seven and four. Um, Washington with their win goes to five and six. The Eagles are at five and seven. Giants are at four and seven. Uh, the Eagles lost, but I mean. You know, they've also been winning too. And the Giants, you know, they're still trying to make things interesting as well. So, just with the Washington win alone, that NFC East, you know, which Bill likes to call the NFC least, which again, I, I don't think that's the case anymore because I think these teams are actually really good. Um, I'm telling you, man, this is, it's going to be very interesting in that division to, to see, like, how if, if Washington continues to find ways to win. And Dallas, you know, not necessarily, you know, lose a lot of games, but, you know, they're not playing as well as they should be. And because of that, they lose games. This is going to be a problem. This is going to be a major problem for the Dallas Cowboys. I fear for Mark Olapsky Halpern's um, uh, sanity here because I know that for the longest time he he felt safe with the way the Cowboys have been playing. Uh, lately, it hasn't been great. He felt safe with that record, but now with Washington just coming through, and the Eagles too. They don't don't rule out the Eagles. The Eagles, you know, up until last Sunday, you know they, you know they were also streaking. They were also streaking. So it's going to be very interesting. Uh, Divisional race here, if there is one, uh, if they make it one. Definitely playoff race for sure. Uh, definitely the playoff race will be uh, interesting for those two teams as well. Cowboys play Thursday night. I believe is against the Saints. Yes, they'll they'll uh, play the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. So the again the the, the, the that's a Thursday night football matchup of the week, and then. Um, of course, we'll we'll, re- we'll have the Thursday night gridiron uh, tonight, and we'll uh, preview that. And then, of course, Sunday sideline report previews all the Sunday action. So uh, stay tuned for all that. And again, more stuff about the MLB lockout. Again, billionaires, millionaires, bitching and complaining about money. 
It's sick. It is absolutely sick. Uh, I'm sad. I really am sad. All right, folks. Take care. Have a good week. What is dedication? My daughter is biological and my son is adopted. I love them both so much. From the morning when you wake up to putting them to bed at night and every moment in between. I think a parent's job is to protect our children but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.